This is Unfilter. Centennial Edition. For June 4th, 2014. The United States government did something that, to the best of my knowledge, I can't remember us ever negotiating with terrorists before. This is really not a good idea to open up and end a chapter in American history where we don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, Ambassador Rice basically said to you, yes, U.S. policy has changed. Now we make deals with with terrorists. Episode number 100 of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about that news you shouldn't be watching. Now, I'm just one half of the show. My name is Chase, but really, the guy who started this show, who got it started at episode number one and said, hey, I'm going to do a show about that news (laughs) that you shouldn't be watching. Chris Fisher! Hey there, buddy. Congratulations. 100 episodes, man. It feels good. I'm going to reach over. Shake, shake your the hand. hand. Shake the hand. Nice yeah, it's nice. We should have thought of that. That was yeah. good. I'm yeah. glad you did. Yeah. 100 episodes. Can you believe it? Yeah. No, actually. No, I can't either. Um, <laughs> because this show is really damn hard. I didn't think well, I'd make it this long. Not only hard, but it's it's <laughs> made, it's it's had changes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, when we started the show, uh, you know, we we had two guys with us on Skype. Yep. Yep. And, uh, we you know, we had a different style of show. We had three acts where we would break down very oh, big, yeah, yeah. serious topics. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked that, but it didn't really flow. But the only other problem with that is, uh, first off, no, no, no offense to the to the the guys on Skype, but what would happen is, you know, we would start on a topic and we would go off on these rants and tangents, and then unfortunately, because of the nature of Skype, Skype delay, there would be Skype delay. We would yeah. talk over each it was other. It's hard having two people in studio and two people on Skype. And then the other thing was the content side of it. I mean, we of course we liked doing the specialized topics. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, listenership was starting to fall off a little bit. Yeah. People were like, you know, I, I and, want you guys to talk about more of the current the topics. Thing, and the thing, too, what we were really struggling with uh, was we hadn't really clicked that, wait a minute, this needs to be a listener-supported show. And yeah. once that place fell into peace, the rest of the focus of the show where we realized, okay, it's not about trying to get you know, the lazy tech guys who see something tweeted out yeah. to just click it because it has a tech headline. And it's, it's not about getting those people. Yeah. That sort of reformulated the show. We clicked into all of that. We got st- we started following a new tread of stories. And then right, a- you know, about five weeks after that, around there, the, the first NSA story hit. And you know what's crazy? You know what tomorrow is? What? The anniversary of the first Snowden revelation. Wow. For so What, what timing? I know. I know. It, 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 this show and th- those revelations, our, our show found its groove a few weeks before the revelations. And, yeah. I mean, it has it, it has so intersected politics and technology like no other story we have followed. And then, you know, we've also now, at 100, there's so many threads we have followed over the weeks that we now so have perspective on. Totally. It's really gotten fascinating because the show, in a sense, builds on itself. As every week we cover something, it adds to this narrative that we've followed. It gives us more insights. I, I find it to be incredibly empowering in the sense of at least feeling like I'm beginning to have some kind of actual understanding of what's going on in the world. You know, for, for Not me. To, you know, I mean, it for, really do, though. You know, for me, when I, when I, you know, when we, we, when we came together on this project and, you know, we, I actually, a lot of you guys may not realize, but thanks to a show that we both listen to called No Agenda. The best podcast in the universe. You know, and they, you know, in the morning to anybody out there who listens to that show as well, you know, 
I was traveling on one of my escapades going across, uh, you know, the, uh, the Stevens Pass area of Washington State driving, and I listened to the podcast a lot. And Chris, you know, he donated to No Agenda. And, he, you know, they, they say on the radio, on the on the podcast, you know, Chris from Jupiter Broadcasting, yeah, yeah. Washington. And I, and, I, and I come to find out that Chris is in the same town as me. I was, like, I was blown away. Yeah. And then I went to Jupiter Broadcasting's website. I was like, holy crap, he's in my backyard. I mean, we're both internet broadcasters. We do a lot of great stuff. In the morning. Yeah. And so I reached out to Chris, and then you know we met up for uh, Italian. We went to Stanwood, that Italian uh, pizza place over there. Remember? The best pizza place in the United what States of America. Big J's or something? Jimmy's, yeah. Jimmy's. Mm-hmm. So we went there, and we started talking, and we started collaborating a little bit. And then Chris is like, I want to do this show, Unfilter. Yeah. What do you think? It's a show I've been thinking about for so long, and it just everything kind of clicked together. And so we made it happen. Yeah. And, and the, other, the other interesting thing is, you know, looking back on the past two years and doing this show, it's really opened up my eyes and my ears with what's happening in the world around us and locally as well. You know, mm. I'm more in tune now with political issues that are happening in my backyard, right. things that could affect both of us and families and friends. And so here we are, and looking back at an episode 100, I'm looking at uh, a Patreon that we just started a, a few weeks ago. And, and now we have an incredible community, not just the community from Jupiter Broadcasting, but a lot of people that have come in from outside the community and believe in what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. And for me, I am completely blessed. I'm, I'm, you know, I thank you and Angela and Rakai and Eric and all the other admins. I know there's so many people that have embraced me and barely even known me. And I appreciate that immensely. Uh, I mean, a member of the Unfiltered community set up a website, doeschaseheaveajobyet.com, <laughs> yeah. uh, because they understood completely what I was going through and looking for work. And so when you have that kind of community and a show that brings everybody together, uh, it's very empowering. And I really cannot wait to see where the show goes. I know. What I'm really glad, too, is that uh, we're not we're at 100 and we're not out of ideas. In fact, in, no. a, in a big way, this Patreon has been a reinfusion of new ideas because it's given us this sort of framework to think of things in and like – Boy, if we like, let's set goals for ourselves and see what we can do when we reach these levels. I'm pretty excited about where the next hundred yeah. will go, uh, and I hope, I hope that looking back at this, one of my motivations for doing this show, why we've done it for a hundred weeks, I don't know. Maybe this is a long shot, but maybe in twenty twenty five years. I want to look back and remember yeah. what the hell was going on because I we, believe we set an official record. I believe we'll look back at this time and. So we will have so many questions and we will want to know what was going on and what were people thinking and what were the biases of the time and all that kind of stuff. And and even when we get something wrong, just documenting that misconception that was taking place at the time in one sense is valuable. And I also wonder if at some point my kids will want to come back and maybe learn a little bit more about how their dad saw the world. And I think out of a lot of the shows that I do and I love them all, I think this show will give them the best representation of what their dad's worldview was. Yeah. And that and, and what know, was going on when they were kids. And the greatest thing about this show is and we are always we always make fun of it. We're not left, we're not right. I mean, I don't even know if you even call a center. We just call it as it is. What we, right. we what we call what we feel should be right. Well, we spent all of our adult until our 30s being completely apolitical 
trying to – I mean, both of us really for a long time tried to avoid it and, and just invest ourselves 100 percent in technology yeah. and not have any political leanings. Uh, and then honestly, the world just started kicking my ass starting in 2008, and I had no choice but to start paying attention. Yeah, especially when you have issues like network neutrality, which could throw a huge wrench into what Chris and I are trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're trying to create independent entertainment on demand – I, I, it's kind of a play on gotcha. what, yeah, 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 you know, it's kind of play what you say. You Could know? you imagine all of these NSA revelations and not doing this show? First of all, how, how burn, how like inside, how how strongly we burning to want to talk about it. Number one, right? Because we wouldn't be talking about it on this show. No. And number two, like I would feel we'd probably have dinner. We'd be sitting down and like having these passionate well, I feel, conversations. I feel like we would be um, a little lost because it would be. Because we are so regimented to follow the news for this show, we have kept on top of what's happening. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just can't imagine, like, trying to get that in bits and pieces without having one source. It seems overwhelming in some ways, and I think it would be very hard. To, I'm just very thankful that we are doing this show because it has helped me stay informed. I hope it's, I, I hope it's helpful for the audience, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I know we're going to talk about the patrons here, you know, towards the middle of the show and and uh, we might be able to leak an announcement hopefully we're very close to doing that hmm. we'll, uh, see. we'll, we'll see. see we'll see uh, it depends on milestones it, it does depend on the milestones but it's one of those things where irregardless thanks to you guys out there who believe in what we do i mean if it wasn't for you guys i mean this is a very non-traditional type of show where we do not rely on sponsors you know it's thanks to you guys in the oh community. my gosh it's anderson and Anderson Cooper sound bites and Wolf Blitzer sound bites and the the bumpers right. for breaking news on Fox. Right, everything right, comes together. Right, right, and we still have we still have this is CNN breaking news. Breaking news. We still have the best yet to come. So Chris, yeah, should we start with the NSA chase? You know what? They're freaking crazy again. The NSA is crazy. They so- keep going. Uh, I want to just retouch on a topic uh, sort of at the top of the NSA coverage. We thought that after Angela Merkel came over to the U.S., met with Obama, that they were essentially going to let the NSA stuff rest. Although she did say that things will not continue as they always have, but that wasn't very clear what that meant. Well, well, today The Guardian has an article that Germany has opened an inquiry into claims that the NSA tapped Angela Merkel's phone, including setting up a... Uh, an inquiry investigation. This is Germany's federal prosecutor. He has essentially defied what were public expectations by opening up this investigation into the alleged alleged taping of Merkel's phone. All right. So I feel two things about this announcement. A, is this just to quiet down the German dissidents to make sure that to say, hey, you know, no, we're doing something about this. We're we're standing up. But secretly behind the scenes, nothing's going to happen. I don't know. I'm so far removed. It's hard to know what the what the internal pressure was like. I think this is more about showing that Germany is powerful, showing that that Germany is, uh, you know, not to be screwed with. Because essentially, if they publicly allow the U.S. to roll over them like this, yeah, uh, they, they, it makes them look weak. It right. makes them look like like our dog. And I I feel like just for their own national pride, they have to do this. Now, who knows where it'll go? It might go nowhere. Right. But at least they can say. Say we did this. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I mean, they're saying, yeah, you know, we're, we uh, we open up an investigation. We're looking right. into this. I would love if we have yeah. any uh, listeners in, in Germany, email us unfilteredjupiterbroadcasting.com and let us know from a local perspective uh, what's going on there. Because 
I, you know, it's hard to tell from this far away. Right. I mean, I would say, though, do you think her anger was truly genuine that she was pissed yeah. off? Yeah. yeah these, so... these people think they're the, the you know, they're the, they're the presidents, they're the leaders, they're, they're the chancellors. They're, right. you don't mess with me. You know, they're all of the elites. Yeah. Uh, you pointed us to a interesting survey that was conducted. Yeah. Uh, according to a survey commissioned by, now, I don't know about this part. It's a cloud storage service called true sort or store it or something like that Tresorit. it Tresor it yeah. why are the, why is a cloud why is a cloud storage facility doing this survey but anyways the survey found that 55% of respondents think that snowden did the right thing in exposing the prism and mass data mining program yeah i i, I that's well, 55 is pretty I don't high. i don't know if you know if you're paying attention during the uh, supporter show oh, but yeah, they, yeah. they also threw up a similar graphic yep. saying 55% yep. And then it was less than 20 or 30% thought that he was a traitor. 29% believe that he was in the wrong, and 16% endorsed neither statement. Of Snowden's supporters, though, 80% said he exposed constitutional violations. 80%. You know, you guys are going to love the supporter show this week. We we played a clip from the, the brand new NSA chief. Yeah. And uh, his anger. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about, uh, since it's episode 100, I mean, not to shortchange our supporters, but no. since it's episode 100, should we release the MP3 version? We can't release the video version. No. I think for copyright reasons. But yeah. for, we could release the MP3 version of the supporter show I to celebrate a, episode 100. I think it's a great idea, and it also gives the people out there an opportunity to see what it's all about. Oh, we just hit our milestone. Are, are you serious? Because we hit the milestone, I say we release this, because it was a really good supporter show this week. Uh, and that NSA clip is almost worth it on its own. All right, I think so everybody should when we that. get to the Patreon segment and our in our Patreon supporter segment, we will release, we will unlock. We need it. Where's that sound? Where's... I got it. I yeah. got it. Yeah, I got it. Well, we will, we will play it okay. when we get there. Okay. All right, I won't and, play it until you give me the cue, and then yeah. I'll hit it. And then we'll talk about what's going on All right, well, we for need, the future. I want to get into some NSA clips. Um, let's start with the sort of lukewarm revelation that came out this week. Uh, You probably heard about this. I think you probably expected this, and so you probably were not too surprised. Let's talk after the clip. The National Security Agency is collecting a massive trove of images that it intercepts over social media, emails, and texts, some which are so clear it can use them in its facial recognition operations. According to the New York Times, top-secret NSA documents indicate that the spy agency's global facial recognition technology has seen huge growth in the last four years years. Millions of images are intercepted per day, only adding to the huge database of personal information the government can have on individuals, both American and foreign. The worry many have is that there are few limits on these operations. While the NSA says the improved targeting could help track down terrorists, civil liberties advocates worry the program seems to be operating in a legal vacuum. So, um, not too surprising. They're taking everything you publicly post and they're pulling it down and they're analyzing the face for recognition. Are you surprised at all that the NSA is taking your fab- your public Instagram and Facebook posts? I would and be surprised if they weren't. Right. <laughs> here is, I mean, this it's public data, right? It's already out there. I agree. Now, but here's the problem I have with it, all is right. there is essentially, now, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't actually mind. But, you know, you and I have been here in the studio, and you've taken a picture of me and posted on Instagram and say, Unfilter is about to start. Yep. You have now just opted me in to the NSA facial recognition system. Even uh, even yeah. if even if I don't have a Facebook profile or a Twitter account or an Instagram Chris, account, you Chris, just opted me in. When we were at Linux Fest Northwest and you had the entire crew there, we were taking equipment, including Alan, by the way, who, which is a lovely Canadian. Mm-hmm. We're walking in. You took a picture, a selfie with everybody in the back. You've opted me in. I know. I'm just saying. I'm playing devil's advocate. I know. I know. Do you, there is a, so almost. Yeah. Is there a social responsibility? 
for that. Is there because when you are now taking a picture, you are submitting them to a massive database by the world's largest government. It's one of those weird things where I, I hate to say this, but it's one of those shared acceptances where mm. you know when people are taking pictures and people are you know well, and because this is happens. this is legally a gray area, you bet your ass private companies are doing this too. Oh even, yeah, even not not even the companies that run these services, but companies that can just connect and download these images are doing it. You well, bet they're your doing, ass they're doing it now. When you when you log into Facebook or Google Plus, where they say, "Is this you? Right? Uh, would you like to tag this picture of you?" And you know, you didn't realize that you were in that picture. So, uh, yes, I did opt you into. Uh, I wanted to uh, play a deleted scene from the Brian Williams NBC interview with Edward Snowden. Wait, the interview, I, the the one that we tried to show last week, but we kind of did, but didn't. Well, it is in the supporter sync. Oh, I wonder. So the full interview is in the supporter sync. Oh, um, but nice. there was a clip that didn't make it to the interview. And I want to play it for you. And guess what, Chase? Can you guess what it's about? Hmm. 9-11. Oh. Um, we talked about Bell metadata uh, in this group. We talked about metadata with Snowden. He makes a larger point here about the information haystack and about why in his view. Now, this was an after web stream, which we did play all of. After, after they broadcast on the national news, Brian Williams and um, some essentially Obama administration apologists, went on the web and streamed additional clips that didn't quite make it into the interview. Because remember, it was a 30-minute interview, but a, th- a three-hour... Uh, it was a 30-minute broadcasted interview, but a three-hour actual interview. So there's lots of clips that didn't make it in. A big intelligence gathering doesn't work. I'll play for you now that exchange. Play it! Play a damn clip! They had a mistake. See, he just kind of sits there. Look at him. I really just, meant to. There you go. <laughs> Brian's so smooth. <laughs> I take the threat of terrorism seriously. Uh, and I think we all do. And I think it's really disingenuous for, for the government to invoke uh, and sort of scandalize our memories, to sort of exploit the, the national trauma that we all suffered together and worked so hard to come through to justify programs that have never been shown to keep us safe, but cost us liberties and freedoms that we don't need to give up. And our Constitution says we should not give up. But you can see how it happened. Guys with box cutters spent 200 bucks using our own aviation system to take down our own buildings and smash into the Pentagon in a field in Pennsylvania. What are we going to do? It's a, it's a non-traditional enemy. You see how you see how much Edward Snowden's blinking there and and shifting in his chair. Do you think you think maybe Snowden is a is a nine eleven truther? Watch how uncomfortable he seems as 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 Brian Williams is uh, painting a picture of terrorism for aviation us. Aviation system to take down our own buildings and smash into the Pentagon in a field in Pennsylvania. What are we going to do? It's a it's a non traditional enemy. The expression is an enemy we can't see. What are we going to do? You know, and this is a... Oh, a chat room points out a good point that if you look closely, uh, Chase, this has been since his first interview with Glenn Greenwald, one of the pads on Snowden's glasses is missing. That might give you a, an indication of the kind of lifestyle he's living there. Those are the same glasses that he he arrived there with that are broken. The pad on the one that is facing the camera is yeah, missing. I see it. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a little interesting thing about that. Kind of Now, maybe that's... Maybe he only wears these glasses, you know... I wouldn't be surprised if he only wears these glasses when on camera and he has a separate set of glasses. What about contacts? 
I bet I bet he wears a separate. So he probably slightly changes his appearance when he's walking about. He's not dumb. I no, mean, no. He he wears the the what the the big glasses with the big nose and the. You know, he's he's a glass hole. Oh. This is a key question that the nine eleven commission considered. And what they found in the postmortem, when they looked at all of the classified intelligence from all of the different intelligence agencies, they found that we had all of the information we needed as an intelligence community, uh, as a classified sector, as the national defense of the United States, to detect this plot. We actually had records of the phone calls from the United States and out. The CIA knew who these guys were. The problem was not that we weren't collecting information. Uh, it wasn't that we didn't have enough dots. It wasn't that we didn't have a haystack. It was that we did not understand the haystack that we have. The problem with mass surveillance is that we're piling more hay on a haystack we already don't understand. And this is the haystack of the human lives of every American citizen in our country. If these programs aren't keeping us safe and they're making us miss connections, vital connections, on information we already have, if we're taking resources away from traditional methods of investigation, from law enforcement operations that we know work, if we're missing things like the Boston Marathon bombings where all of these mass surveillance systems, every domestic dragnet in the world didn't reveal guys, that the Russian intelligence service told us about by name. Is that really the best way to protect our country? Or are we, are we trying to throw money at a magic solution that's actually not just costing us our safety, but our rights and our way of life? You can see why they probably cut that from the NBC interview, because that was such a strong and bold and accurate statement. But then we they had the it, haystack. But during, then they played it again, though. Huh? Well, then they played it. They played only it. online. Oh, right. Yeah. It's only available online. They cut it from the main show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had for, to cut it for time. For me, out of uh, and I'm going to say it, out of the terrorist attacks from 9/11, uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> episode 100, the Bell edition. <laughs> Sorry, Bell haters, they're out there. I know they're out there. It's to actually quell your ADD monster. Actually, We're, Chris, you know if. Uh, Maybe you should put in the goal if we get to this amount. We uh, we oh my god, the we bell. should. Yeah, we retire the bell. You shouldn't have said that out loud. That was our secret plan. No, <laughs> no that's for the next goal. We're not doing it twenty five hundred. The bell's yeah. valuable. Very very valuable. Yeah. No, I I believe uh, some of the best things that came out of that was reinforcement of doors on airplanes. That's right. one. Yes. And the second thing is now that these th- that people realize that planes can be used as weapons. No one will ever be able to hijack a plane ever again because people that are sitting in the seats will not stand for it. Period. So um, I want you. That's what I think. We're going to come back to the Boston bombing. Uh, we're about to play a clip in, a, in at, at, towards the end of the NSA segment here. We're going to play a clip that uses the Boston bombing to justify the establishment of a homegrown terrorism Justice Department organization. Wow. So remember that Snowden made that reference because it's, it's going to become relevant. But I want to stay on the Snowden NBC interview thread for a little bit longer. Okay. Um, so guess what happens? Uh, NBC airs their interview and then all of the politicians have to respond. Everybody goes to the air. I've tried not to bore us. So I've only picked a few. 
The one that you probably remember because we played it last week was John Kerry. Got all remember how he got all fired be up? Be a man. Yeah, be man, a up. man. Man up. Man up. Come here. Be a real hero. Like the Pentagon papers and you know, like remember that? Yeah. He's like, be a real patriot. Yeah. Like Daniel Ellsberg was. Well, Daniel Ellsberg responds to John Kerry now. And returning to the Snowden issue, Secretary of State John Kerry told Chuck Todd the other day that if Edward Snowden were really a patriot, he would do what Vietnam-era whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg had done and stand trial and defend himself. If this man is a patriot, he should stay in the United States and make his case. Patriots don't go to Russia. They don't seek asylum in Cuba. They don't seek asylum in Venezuela. They fight their cause here. There are many a patriot. You can go back to the Pentagon Papers, Dan Ellsberg and others who, who stood and, and went to the court system of America and, and, and made their case. Fired Edward up. Snowden is a coward. He is a traitor. And he has betrayed his country. And if he wants to come home tomorrow, to face the music, right. he can do so. Man, John well, today, Kerry, the go. famed Pentagon Papers whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg and co-founder of the Freedom of the Press Foundation is sounding off about Kerry's comments. Daniel Ellsberg uh, wrote a column that was posted in The Guardian, and he joins me now from California. Mr. Ellsberg, thank you very much. Tell me why, why you responded so strongly to what Secretary Kerry I hear a satellite delay. Secretary Kerry was once a hero of mine, along with a lot of other people. He did a very creditable role showing moral courage in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, denouncing the Vietnam War, actual war crimes, a very heretical thing for a veteran to be talking about, and asking the question, who wants to be the last man to fight in a, for to die for a mistake? Let me correct that. Who wants to be the last man to die for a mistake? Have you ever seen some of the young John Kerry video clips? It is very inspirational. Yeah. To be, to be very honest. I yeah. mean, it's... When you see him on that panel, yeah. and he's he's talk. Wow, I know, I it's know, powerful stuff. It's so it's so interesting to see how far both him and McCain have come, right? Yeah, and and both left and right. Yeah, I was thinking of that only yesterday as I saw the headline that the president was keeping almost ten thousand men, almost two more years or two and a half more years in Afghanistan, and I was wondering how Secretary of, Defe- of, of State Kerry would address that question today. Uh, Unfortunately, his statements on uh, Snowden have diminished his stature even further, and it has fallen in recent years in a number of ways. I think that for him to characterize Mr. Snowden, whom I regard as an American hero and a very great patriot, as a coward, a traitor, and someone who betrayed his country, is a despicable statement. And I think very poorly of Mr. Kerry for having said that. Round of applause wow. for Mr. Daniel Ellsberg. Exactly. Wow. It is despicable. And Kerry should be ashamed of himself how far he's fallen. Piece of trash. Look at him. And, and you know, the people who've stayed true, now looking back at you, Kerry, they see what a fake and what a phony you've become. What a sellout. So so is it, was he a fake then or is he a fake now? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I... You know, you guys check check out that old uh, you know speech. I, I I'm I'm pretty sure it's still on YouTube. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> just like do John Kerry Vietnam congressional speech, or just yeah, just search around for that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, there's I, also I, a I clip out there of John McCary, John John McCary, <laughs> uh, John McCain, of John Kerry arguing with his younger self. That's a good one too. Uh yeah. Um. All right. Oh, so, uh, did you do you recall? Do I recall? Earlier on in our Snowden coverage, about a year ago, 
Back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, that Snowden, before he released the documents, yeah. tried to raise awareness about about what he felt were constitutional violations. That's right. He sent an email. And this is, well, he says he sent several emails. Now, the NSA has released a singular well, email. Well, first, the NSA said they didn't have any they said they're Thank none, you. none existed. I'm glad you got. I'm glad you caught that because they did say that. They, they said there did. were no emails. They said none. They they straight up Thank called you. them a liar. Yes. And then all yes. of a sudden, very all of a sudden, oh oh, we have one. Yeah. Oh one, just one email. Yeah. Hmm. In the NBC News interview conducted in Moscow, Snowden had this to say about the steps he took to bring the improper spy tactics to his boss's attention. The NSA has records. They have copies of emails right now to their Office of General Counsel, to their oversight and compliance folks, from me, raising concerns about the NSA's interpretations of its legal authorities. The NSA fired back the next day by issuing a single email. It stated the only one it could find, showing that Snowden <laughs> had indeed asked a superior about legal authorities, but seemed to raise no concerns about any particular NSA uh. program. In the Washington Post, Snowden responded to this email and the claim by the NSA that it searched for additional indications of outreach from him but came up with nothing. He said, if the White House is interested in the whole truth rather than the NSA's clearly tailored and incomplete leak today for a political advantage, it'll require the NSA to ask my former colleagues, management and the senior leadership team about whether I at any time raised concerns about the NSA's improper and at times unconstitutional surveillance activities. It will not take long to receive an answer. Oh, of hey, course. Hey, Chris. If you did actual interviews with his previous coworkers, yeah. of course. By the way, Chris, if, yes. if the NSA was using Google Apps, <laughs> yeah. they would have been able to yeah. find the emails. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been able to find old good emails. Search. Yeah. Really good search. It's very good search yeah. for emails. You know what else has good search? Hmm. Thunderbird. Thunderbird? They could just pull down, yeah. they could do an IMAP connection, pull down their email search in Thunderbird. I know. Real easy. Yeah. That um, one, oh, Spotlight kind of works on the Mac. It, you know, if you have email on your Mac. Oh, you okay. Know, that might okay. work. Okay. Um, is that a is that that's an Apple thing? I think okay. so. Okay, so uh, I want to just we're gonna we're gonna round out our NSA segment uh, with uh, let's 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 catch up with your buddy, my buddy Keith Alexander, my bar buddy. You know he's retired now. Yeah, I know we go out so, every of course, Friday night because now he's retired. He's gonna go live a quiet life. He's gonna stay out of the public Wait, spotlight. Is he gonna he's, write a book? He's I'm sure he's gonna fly under the radar, right? He wouldn't like be going to Bloomberg and discussing Snowden, right? No way. Oh wait. In fact, here's a little clip of Keith Alexander, now retired director of the NSA, saying that he's pretty sure Snowden probably working for the Russians. Do you in fact then believe that he is now or was a yeah. double agent? Well, I think he's working for him. I'm I, I wouldn't go so far as a double agent, but I think he's, he's working for someone who he's working for someone. Here, you know, it seems odd. You know, you just you just look at the what's going on, and doesn't it seem odd that he could ask Putin a question? Now you're a great reporter. Why don't you call up Putin and ask him a question? I also think that seems odd. I still think that's the oddest thing that's happened yet, and uh, I also I also think that uh, I mean, okay, I'm pretty positive. I've watched that Snowden question a couple of times. They. Okay, a couple of things, Chase, that I want to I want to bounce off you about this. Do you remember Snowden's doing this press conference, and or I'm sorry, Putin is doing this press conference, and Snowden like skypes in or whatever and asks him, "Does the Russian government spy on their citizens?" Right. Yeah, I do. They two things that bother me about that. Number one, the lower third on Snowden said Berlin. Not Moscow, which is just odd since it's a Russian state thing. And you think the fact that Snowden is, is in Moscow would be a pretty big deal. You don't think they'd mess that up. But OK, 
be as it may, maybe it was just a template that the technician used, and they left Berlin in the lower third. Right. But the other thing that bothers me okay. is they played it off as live. And I'm going to just tell you, as somebody who does video production, I guarantee you that was a pre-recorded clip. And they, somehow they got Snowden in there, they pre-recorded an interview with him, and then played it for Putin. That, to me, suggests a level of cooperation that Snowden so far has not revealed. And I think he's being disingenuous because just accomplishing the ability to ask Vladimir Putin a video question if he is spying on his people is straight up 100% a Kremlin propaganda technique. And not only that, it's— 100% unquestionable. And and you take any leader in any civilized world and you want to ask a question to them, either— It doesn't matter who it is. It could be Obama. There's no way some random video— It could be, you know, President Merkel. It could be Prime Minister Harper. It could be any any top leader. You are not going to be able to answer or ask a question without pre-approval. It doesn't get up on the board. Without pre-arranged, you know, it's just going to be because, set up. Just because of the political Total. implications Total. of Putin speaking to Snowden, just the yep. ramifications of that. If a person just surprised Putin with this phone call, oh, that could you imagine what would happen to them? I mean, think that about that person would be fired. Think of at, <laughs> at, maybe. at best, at best, at best, that person's yeah. fired. Yeah, because you yeah. just made Putin talk to Edward Snowden, which is a political firestorm right now. Yep. I just don't buy that it was just coincidental. So I'm actually – oh, so far now I'm with if, Keith. But Now, I, if Putin didn't have his shirt on <laughs> and he was in a river and he was fighting an alligator. <laughs> and Ed just showed up. And Ed showed up. Right. I'd be down for that. As long as Ed's riding the bear. That's right. Let me know if you can get through. How did Snowden get a call to the president of Russia to ask a question like that? You think it was all planned? I think it was all planned. They're really they good have at him there for a reason. information ops. I think it's all that's where it is now. I maybe you know, and maybe it was all friendly. It's like, hey, Ed, would you like to draw attention to this issue you care a lot about? And maybe that's how they started. Do you is think they, Putin has? Uh, do you think? I'm sorry. Does, do you think Edward Snowden has Putin circled on Google Plus? <laughs> I don't think either one of them. Are, well, actually, we know Snowden uses Google Plus. We do. So yeah. Hmm. All right. So that was former NSA director Keith Alexander. Right. Here's current. NSA right. director, not not to be confused with your buddy Mike Rogers. Mike this Goal. is Michael Rogers, and he suggests that his opinion of Snowden is maybe he seems intelligent, but a bit of an ass. <laughs> Did you watch uh, Ed Snowden's interview on NBC? No, no to be honest, I you didn't to be honest, watch I was it? traveling. At, at, at oh, the time I just couldn't do it. On. I've I seen clips it. of it subsequently. Mm-hmm. But I, I love um, how everybody in the administration, whenever there's something on TV, they just didn't get a chance to see it. Just didn't get a chance. Oh, jeez. So so what was your impression of him in those clips? Did he seem prepped? Did he seem coached? What's your thought? I don't know. That's not my place. I I thought, again, I think he had to be very balanced. Mm -hmm. I thought he's an intelligent individual, articulate. Um, Uh. He seemed fairly arrogant to me. Um, Whoa, like you? Clearly believes in what he's doing. I don't question that. I don't agree with it. I fundamentally... Disagree with what he did. I believe it was wrong. I believe it was illegal. From my perspective, he stole sensitive information that he had been entrusted with. He abused the trust of his workplace colleagues in doing so. Your organization Um, abused the trust of the United States Constitution. He fundamentally believes in what he did, or do you think he could have been working for someone else as a double agent? Could he have? Uh, Possibly. Do I believe that that's the case? Probably not, but I would I would I would caution everyone. Look, we've got a set of processes that will deal with this issue in the long run, and that's the way we need to go. Um, as citizens, we are free to express our opinions. 
That's a real strength for us as a nation. The challenge in my mind is we cannot function as a society if every one of us unilaterally decides I'm right, everyone else is wrong, and I am going to disregard the law and decide what I'm going to agree to adhere to or not adhere to. How dare John, you not conform uh, to the norms? How uh, dare you? You know, you know uh, it, it so pisses me off to hear him say that when his organization, granted I, I don't, he wasn't at the controls when this occurred, obviously, but his organization that he's now responsible for did these things that were against the constitutions. Not only that, Snowden, I believe, did make an attempt to notify his superiors to go through proper channels, but they sat on it because they loved having this data. They loved yeah. the ability to go through and thwart the Constitution in the due process. I also am bothered by the fact that all of these people running the NSA from Hayden to Alexander to now to Rogers all feel that they have some sort of authority to comment on society as a whole and, and what makes what makes a civilized people do certain things. Like To me, it's extremely creepy that these guys believe that they should be involved at this level to begin with anyways. And I believe that betrays the level in which they have stuck themselves into our lives. And I also want to point out that uh, if you are – because we're going to release, if I remember, the MP3 version of the supporter yep. show, you'll catch the rest of that interview with that guy. He's a real piece of work and a bit of a, a, bit of a misogynist yeah, too. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it for sure. I mean you'll hear it in the tone of his voice and one of the comments that he makes is pretty like – yeah, pretty sexist. All right, before we bump out of the NSA segment, I just wanted to go back to something that will probably involve the NSA at some point. Remember yeah. when Snowden referenced the Boston bombings there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that's the exact kind of incident that Eric Holder is using to justify the creation of a new domestic terrorism division in the Justice Department. Ooh, more jobs. And Attorney General Eric Holder announced this week the creation of a new Justice Department task force entitled the Domestic Terrorism Executive Committee. Its mandate is to combat the threat of homegrown terrorists within the United States, citing the Boston Marathon bombings last year and the two shooting incidents at Fort Hood, Texas, as examples of the escalating danger of domestic terrorism. Holder has stated, as the nature of the threat we face evolves to include the possibility of individual radicalization via the Internet, it is critical that we return our focus to potential extremists here at home. Holder also noted that the task force will focus on individuals within our borders motivated by anti-government sentiments and racial prejudice as well. Lee Rowland, a staff attorney at the ACLU, responded to Holder's statements by saying, the Attorney General Holder's announcement that the new task force will focus on evidence of anti-government animus and racial intolerance raises concerns that it could be a sweeping mandate to monitor and collect controversial speech. The committee is a recreation of a task force created in 1995 by former Attorney General Janet Reno in the wake of the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. The original committee sparked concerns over its targeting of right-wing extremists. Well, it was disbanded after the attacks on 9-11 shifted the Justice Department's focus to overseas terrorist groups. So, uh, literally, one of the focuses of this group will be to monitor folks I, who have anti-government sentiments. I thought we already had an organization that has been set up to monitor and investigate crimes within the United States. What's the name of that organization? All um, of them. No, but there's like it's like a specific it's a federal one. bureau, bureau that would do this. Yeah, some hmm. sort of federal something. Yeah, they should make one. Yeah, you know what? They you might know what? Need to. They're too busy in Syria, so they had to create <laughs> something new. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, Chase. Uh, why don't we take a minute here and thank our patrons? You got that up over there? You want me to pull that uh, up? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the the Patreon page, patreon.com slash unfilter is the place to go. We see we got 252 
Uh, patrons, uh, you know, I'm looking at down at the amount here. I can't. It's too. Oh my God! We have reached and unlocked a milestone goal. Now, first off, Chris, first off, we all know about Patreon. Patreon's the place where you can go and support Unfilter. Right. It, know, is a, it is a platform. It is, it is independent content. This is where you guys can see quite clearly we are not the NSA. We're not trying to hide what's going on here. <laughs> We're keeping it out in the open. You can see exactly how well the show yeah, is it, doing. It's transparent crowdfunding yep. for yep. independent content, and that's yep. really what you need to know there. And we are... Uh, matching that with Patreon's content distribution system yeah. for our patrons. So we're giving you things like the supporters clips in there. Yeah. Uh, there's a community discussions happening in there. Yeah. It's a really good format for us to be able to deliver you something a little extra for supporting us. Plus, you can check our milestones, so see I, where we're I'm at. I'm not going to show too much because I'm actually logged in right now. Oh, jeez. But you can actually see some of the great activity that happens oh, geez. within the, uh, the <laughs> this Patreon, which is awesome. Now, here's the thing, Chris. Okay. Patreon does allow you to... Uh, Edit your patronage at any time. You know, you can say, I'm going to pledge this amount, and then tomorrow I'll change it to another amount. All right. So here's the thing, you guys. We're going to share our plans here. We're going to unlock the super secret thing because obviously the goal, let me read it to you guys real quick in case you guys didn't know. Hmm. The goal was. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to, can I jazz this up a little bit? Of course. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I know what you're going to do. All right. So here's the deal, you guys. The Patreon Unfilter. Unfilter upgrade at $2,500 per month. The show is financed. The hosts get a fair pay, and we make bold investments into the show. Our secret plans will be revealed if we near this goal. So here's the thing, Chris. First off, we talked about Patreon. You can edit your contributions at any time. I do not want to see us dip below $2,500 after we announce this, because if if you guys just pledged to get us to announce this, I'm, I'm not going to be happy with that. Mm, oh, that'd be sneaky. That'd be very sneaky. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the plan is, we kind of alluded this to this early. Chase, I'm trying that's, to do, that's trying to do a drum. That's horrible. No, don't, don't do that. That's no? Yeah, people headphones on, Chase. Oh, sorry. Uh, My bad. We kind of already, we kind of spilled the beans a little bit early on when we announced the Patreon that we want to take the Unfilter show on the road, but. But, huge but. It requires a little bit of a buildup of a mobile production setup that can make the clips and record all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And of course, set a little money aside to do it. So we're reaching when we reach that twenty five hundred dollar goal, we're going to set some money aside to invest in a mobile rig to make the unfilter show hit the road. And the hope is this all will line up with some of the other mobile plans we have later down in the year. So, because here's what our kind of options are. Right. If we don't make this investment, when it comes time for me to hit the road, I won't have a production set up to be able yeah. to do the unfilter show. Yeah. And we need to be able to set up set a cost some money to afford things like hotel rooms for Chase and myself and things yeah. like that. So we want to hit the road. I was thinking the East Coast, but Chase and I are going to work out the details off air on that. That's right. a future thing. Yeah. This is down the road because at first we need to make the investment in the mobile rig, the mobile setup. We want to get unfilter on the road. I'm thinking the first trip we take is kind of modest just to test it. Yeah. It might even be like... California or Oregon, just to make sure yeah, it all West works. Co- West Coast, right. essentially. Yeah. Just so we know that I don't want to go all the way across the world and then get there and not be able to do the show and be like, yeah. well, we traveled, but we can't do a show. Sorry about that. And the, other, and the other thing, too, is obviously we need to make sure that we remain sustainable. We we don't want to you know, put all this investment into going mobile, and then all of a sudden next month we're down to 1500 Right. <laughs> you know, we want to continue to be sustainable. And so 
right now at this stage. Ooh, Eastern Washington would be fun, too. Yeah, Spokane. Or Idaho. We can go over there and see Bo. Uh, isn't there like some sort of white water, Silverwood resort type thing where we can go? I mean, I mean, sure. a political thing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the idea is really is to take a lot of the Jupiter Broadcasting shows on the road in the future. But the yeah. one that's going to be tactically and operationally the most challenging yeah. is Unfilter. In fact, just moving between studios, I mean, it took weeks to it, get the setup it back It was again. such an undertaking because... We, we made the move, and then all of a sudden there was Linux Fest Northwest. So we had this stuff here where we had to bring all the equipment up to. It was, it was a huge undertaking. So, so right now we're getting, the, we're getting the exploratory stages moving on this. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that out of all the shows on the road, ours could benefit the most. And even, even tra- traveling domestically, but eventually the goal would be, uh, and this will kind of scale depending on funding on our Patreon page, the goal would, would literally be, eventually to create a system where Chase and I could travel occasionally outside the U.S. because I think that would literally add more to the show. But to get to that kind of position, we've got to have something completely well, we, ironed in, and we've well, got to have yeah. funding at a level that we know is going to be sustainable for the long term, well, the higher echelons goals and things like that. But yeah. this goal we've now reached is building towards that. And it yeah. means if we do reach that, we can deliver on that. And I think that's going to be really important because I want to make sure that when we commit to something, we can deliver on it. So. Man, I, well, I'm, I'm massively excited. I mean, we're, we're making the stages because obviously, once we take this show on the road, and you know we're going to be gone for a couple of days here, a couple of days there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's when I have to make decisions because right now my job will probably not really allow that. Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead, take three days here, four days, whatever. You know, you know it's it's crazy. We, but even if we can't, I mean, that's all down the road. But even totally down the road. Initially, I could even see testing like over uh, a weekend. Yeah, know, heading down to or, Portland, right? Or uh, I mean, you're going to hate this idea, but I go somewhere and you stay here, and I Skype back in and try to do this or something like that. Like we, there's, I think we could work out multiple have, setups. You know, I also have a dream. You want to hear you my? You could dream? travel. I mean, you could already do that. It's yeah. easy for you to travel because you don't have to do the clipping. But yeah, but you know what? I have a dream. Here's my dream. Oh, my I dream. Have a dream. My fellow Americans. No, when we go and do these uh, trips, that we actually do a little gathering of news. Like we interview a, a local politician. We go out and we go visit maybe the mayor of this city mm-hmm. and ask him what he feels about some of these important issues that are happening. I am I am most looking forward to sort of getting different perspectives, getting like outside the Pacific Northwest and going out there, talking to folks. I mean, really, I'm most interested in like getting farther away. Like the West Coast will be for testing. Yeah. But then eventually I want to go to the East Coast and no. then eventually from the East Coast. International. I, exactly. Yeah. But I think the first first step is a west coast trip and yep. and then the next step will be an east coast trip and then the step after that is international and now at this stage i'm going to begin the process of doing that uh, and I don't exactly know how that'll look because I've got to figure out a good system to mobily capture video. But I'm going to begin the research process of that. I've got a few ideas. I've been I, thinking I, about this. We, we've been chatting about yeah. these ideas. And actually, you know, it's kind of funny. I did a a little test of a mobile rig. I yeah. don't know if you remember at CES, I had a MacBook Pro, and what we did is we had a couple of. Uh, video cameras set up into a small little mixer. We were completely mobile. We had a, uh, a wi- Wi-Fi mobile hotspot that we set up in the car. We were on LTE, and we were able to stream a live video interview at CES in the car. It worked great. Mobile rig. Audio was awesome. We did the whole I'm not thing. Even, I'm not even so much talking about that aspect of oh, it. Yeah. I'm talking about what is the most technically challenging aspect of this show is the actual clip ingestion process. Yeah. Because it, it right now is four satellite XM feeds, and then there's a service I'm using to capture TV that I don't really want to say on air because I don't want them to shut me down. Right. But there's a service I use that comes in over the internet right now, 
that I use to pull off video clips. And then it's a combination then of finding internet sources and things like that. But the internet sources are such a small percentage that to get that broadcast piece down right, I, I, I've got some work, but I've also been working on... Well, I don't want to go too far. We should move on. But and you know, and I've been it, working on some capture to our local NAS, and then I would essentially, from <laughs> that, pull from that on the road and do my clipping from that. And, and to be fair, you know, uh, Angela, which is uh, the wife of Mr. Chris here, in our lovely chat room, say, all she hears is dollars. But you know, it is expensive. It's very, very expensive. It but it's one of those things that you guys, through your support, we can make some impossible things possible. And if you can't be an unfiltered patron, which you can do by going over to patreon.com slash unfilter and becoming a patron. We have several different pledge levels, including, uh, you know, various levels that are a way to say thank you. And then eventually we'll be opening up additional levels for swag. They're not open right yet, but we do have something that's available to everybody. Now I was going to say, Chris, we have, uh, you know, obviously we had one special announcement where, you know, if we got to 2,500, we we would unlock things. However, we now have a second additional unlocked announcement. The Unfilter Episode 100 T-shirt. There it is. What? Part two of our $2,500 milestone is we are opening up the first swag item. So if you're in the Unfilter Swag Club, you've probably already been in some conversations with Angela. She's probably already coordinating with you. Uh, We've got over at Patreon, teespring.com slash Unfilter 100. Clever, right? Oh, wow. Go figure that one out. Unfilter 100. We've got... Uh, hoodies available. We've got T-shirts available. We've got long sleeve shirts available, different colors. Uh, Angela's picked out some really great stuff here. She's done some good oh, work on this. I, I man, here's the problem, you guys. First off, I love these shirts. I love them so much. But a lot of you guys may not realize I am six six. <laughs> yes, you I'm are. I'm a tall guy. You're a big guy. And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff doesn't fit too well because I'm a tall guy. But man, these are beautiful, awesome stuff. Here's the hoodie here. Uh, here's the the long sleeve shirt, which just looks phenomenal. Uh, basically, you guys, the, it's the Unfilter logo with 100 there in the bottom yep. bar. A it limited looks... time Unfilter 100 shirt where, uh, we, where we put the special edition 100 right there in the bottom bar. And this uh, looks so good. I love this stuff. And I, you know, I'm I'm yeah. Turned out great, huh? I, I believe they're beautiful. And by the way, you guys, you're gonna love this. Our goal. 133. That's right, buddy. Yeah. There is 13 days, 5 hours, and 23 minutes as of this here broadcast to grab yourself an Unfilter 100 shirt. And uh, I think this is a great way, if you don't want to get on a monthly thing, but you'd like to get yourself a little something and support the show, yeah. a great way to go. Teespring.com slash Unfilter 100. And we'll also have a link about midway down in the show. I'm going to really hug this shirt. I'm going to hug this lot. I'm getting the shirt. It's good. It's done. I already have like the Unfilter the new logo, yep. long sleeve shirt, and that shirt's beautiful. That you, actually the new worked. Jupiter Broadcasting logo. Oh shirt. yeah, yep, yep, yep. I love it. You know, you look you look quite dapper in that shirt. Actually, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. So this is great, you guys. Check it out. Teespring.com/slash/unfilter100. Thanks everybody, and we just sold our first shirt. There you go. Oh, boop. Bob's your uncle. Is that what you say? Uh, Bob's your uncle. Teespring.com/slash/unfilter100. Get some limited time Jupiter swag. It's only going to be available for about two weeks. So, uh, not next week, but the week after when Unfilter's on the air. The sale is over, so you got to get in while you can. So, uh, Chase, if yes, I said Chris. the name to you, mm-hmm. Bo, Derek, no, sorry, I that was uh, last name starts with a B. Does it ring a bell? Bo Burton, Bergdahl. Oh, Bergdahl. Yeah, that Have that you guy. Heard of this guy? Yes. That guy yeah, who if, was. If, uh, if you missed it, rescued. Right, you've got a prisoner exchange. If you missed it, I'll bring you up to date right here. Thank you. 
And at Fox News Alert, continuing our coverage now on the release of the captive U.S. soldier in Afghanistan. As we have been reporting, Army Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, who had been held by the Taliban since 2009, he has been released. Today, President Obama announced that Bergdahl will be coming home in a prisoner swap. That surprise handover occurred after there were negotiations for that swap with the nation of Qatar acting as the intermediary with the Taliban in exchange for Bergdahl's freedom. We are giving the Taliban five Gitmo detainees. All right. So some interesting things about this. Uh, based on uh, all of the feeds that I've been listening to, this actually seems to have happened in a very compressed amount of time. Yeah. And Qatar was a absolutely a central role in this, uh, keeping uh, what they say uh, contact with, it, with them in a 24-hour around-the-clock period. However, there has been some very strong negative reaction to this prisoner swap and the release of Bo. By keeping its promise to not leave any American behind on the battlefield, the Obama administration says it has kept the faith with our troops. But a growing course of lawmakers is tonight asking, at what cost? Looks to me like a deserter or a traitor or both, and why the Obama administration would give away five terrorists to get him back is kind of beyond me. The idea that these guys are going to Qatar, and Qatar's going to make sure they never get out to attack us after they we know that they've attacked us or been involved in attacks on us. We know that we jail them, and they're, I'm sure they're not happy about that. So, you know, he's putting us in jeopardy, is he not? It is pretty obvious that... We have never done this before, and now we have set a precedent. The president has set a precedent. We have never done this before. We, you mean we've never negotiated with for hostages? With terrorists. We've never done this we've before. We've never done that before. Never done this before. Never? Now, uh, really? people are pretty dumbfounded that Obama did this. Abby, your girl, will remind us that it's actually part of our commitment to our soldiers that we will come rescue them with any within any means reasonable. I have the actual code in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. It's in there. It's the military doctrine. It's, you know, it's essentially it is our commitment to our troops that if you become a prisoner of war, we will do anything reasonable to come help you. Interestingly, this entire mainstream debate seems to be ignoring the fact that the U.S. military code of conduct states that the government will use any practical means to contact, support, and gain the release of prisoners of war. So we have this element of it that does make some sense. But there's this other twist. These prisoners were released from Guantanamo. And there is a law in place saying that you must provide Congress with 30 days notice before you do a prisoner Guantanamo transfer. So that way they can review the national security implications of that transfer. So the implication here is perhaps Obama and the Obama administration violated the law. And the problem with that is on its face of it, because you're rescuing a soldier, it's not on the face of it that indefensible. But then the story around Bergdahl seems to start falling apart rather quickly that makes one question why we went to this effort. Bergdahl, an outdoorsman and skilled marksman, enlisted in the Army while living in a small town in Idaho. He was homeschooled, and he also loved ballet. In the beginning, fellow soldiers say he was thought of as a good soldier, although different. He was a little odd, uh, but not in an alarming way. Uh, he, he didn't have a cell phone. Um, he didn't watch TV or watch movies. Um, he just read a lot of books and he studied uh, several languages. 
Kind of a weird guy, man. He didn't watch a lot of TV. Wow, and uh, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, Except for Top Gear. Is that too much? However, there were some signs that things were not quite right from the start. When he arrived in Afghanistan in 2009, he quickly made it known he wasn't happy with America's role in the war. He was very upset with um, like the, the Army's focus on how we were handling the war. It was within two months of his arrival in the war zone that fellow soldiers say he walked away from post looking for the Taliban, his weapon and body armor left behind. But worse, they say, the subsequent search costing at least six American lives. All right, so there, the media is framing like this is a possibility that he did this. This is unquestioned. Uh, we've gotten emails into the show from people involved in the situation who have told us this guy walked away yes. before this was even a national story, and now you hear this. It, this guy walked away from his post. He walked away, he left himself unarmed, and he wanted to leave because he did not support the war, and he got himself captured. And then when they went to go save his ass, six people died. So now the question is, is this going to go scot-free, or will Will he be questioned about this? The nation's top-ranking military officer, Joint Chiefs Chairman Martin Dempsey, pledged on his Facebook page the Army will not look away from misconduct if it occurs. And the Secretary of the Army, John McHugh, promised a comprehensive review that will include speaking with Sergeant Bergdahl to better learn from him the circumstances of his disappearance and captivity. A lot already has been learned from former members of his unit. I believe this was a premeditated desertion. Cody Full was at the observation post on this hill with Bergdahl and went searching for him when he went missing, questioning the local villagers. A teacher and a clergyman said that they did see an American earlier that morning uh, by himself. He fit Bergdahl's description. They said he was crawling on his stomach uh, through the weeds. Neither Full nor any of the other soldiers speaking out on television and on the Internet know the answer to a question only Bergdahl can answer. Why, why did you leave us? Why did you leave your fellow Americans? Like what? We just we were we want we want to know why he left. It's it's straight up desertion. It's 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 walking away from the bond of brotherhood that is sacred on the battlefield. So I have additional clips um, in the uh, supporters overtime sync folder. Yeah. That talks about uh, how when – so the way this exchange happened, Chase, is uh, U.S. Special Forces landed on the Afghanistan-Pakistan border. And uh, the Taliban was on the Pakistan side, and it all happened within a few seconds. And we had drones hovering over, and we landed down one of our, one of our helicopters. Special Force units ran out. The Taliban came out. They gave us one of them had One of them had a white flag with them as they were walking out with him. And the other one had an iPad that he was right. taking pictures. No, I don't know. Uh, well, and, no, they, but they did take yeah. video. Yes. They took video they of this. Did. Yeah. They did. And uh, when – so here's what's interesting is according to the rescuers on the ground, Bo immediately started asking them questions and talking to them. Talking to whom? The to, the rest, to the special forces. Okay. And then when he got in the helicopter, because the noise was so bad and he didn't have ear cuffs, he wrote on a white uh, piece of uh, plate, a paper plate, SF question mark, are you special forces? Communicating with them. Yes, we are special forces. Now he's being held in a hospital in Germany. His folks are not allowed to see him. And they say he cannot properly speak English. Yet the special forces guys say he was talking to them. Ooh. And what's interesting about that oh, is the guy man. that was in the the guy that was in the POW camp with McCain was interviewed by CNN, and he talked about how like the first thing they wanted to do after five more than five years 
was talk to their family. That was like they were desperate to do that. Number it's, one, it's very interesting how that's not happening, and I don't know what the reason is for. Do it. Do you think I, they're trying to debrief him uh, based on since he was with the Taliban and they're um, trying to get security information? No, and, no I don't. Uh, I think what it is is uh, now. Can, is it okay if I? Can I fry a little bacon? Do you uh, mind? Abs- if I- you know, this is episode one hundred. We can do a double a dose of bacon. No, this- the other bacon was in the supporter show. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're doing a double dose. Well, they're getting the supporter show, so they'll know that. So here's what I. By think. the way, uh, this bacon came from Barstow, California. I have I have a question for you, Chase. Yes, and it's related to the military. Is there a scandal you can think of that the Obama administration is currently stuck in the middle of that is extremely embarrassing and also damaging to the repeated, often mantra "We support our troops"? Can you think of a conspiracy that has been brewing because of all of the troops we have coming home that, from the wars <laughs> that is a disgrace for all Americans that we have bared that is beginning more and more attention recently that the Obama right. administration would be desperate to take the limelight away from? Uh, can you think of a controversy that? Has been, does it have, start? Does it start with the letter B? Benghazi? No, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. But you didn't follow me. So no, I know. The VA scandal. Oh, that yeah. This this VA. The problem with the kind of thing about the VA scandal, yeah. is this is fundamentally one of those things where it is a real demonstration of how we don't care for these people that we send yeah. into combat for us, yeah. and it is extremely damaging. You know, to these politics, it's extremely damaging. And so if they can even – and now, now nobody's talking about the VA. We're all talking about Bo. We're all talking about if he's a deserter. So this, the was, entire a, this conversation. was a huge distraction? And, yes, and that's why they rushed it. That's why they didn't get the 30-day approval. That's why they're claiming he can't speak English because they have to demonstrate that he was so close to death that they had to go rescue him right away. So they're keeping him locked up in a hospital. That way nobody can see what his wow. true condition is. And now nobody is talking about the VA scandal. And not only that, but the week that they announced this, the day before, Jay Carney resigns. Now tell me that's not related. Oh. He's been the press secretary for five wow. and a half years. This guy was going to – immediately it was leaked that he was a deserter. This is not a revelation. This was purposely put out but into the media to discuss the fact that we just I spent have, all this effort on a deserter. I have one asterisk to add to your, your possible conspiracy bacon here. If that's the case, and they did this as a huge distraction to detract our attention from the VA situation, yes, and they knowingly bypassed Congress approval because of the prisoner transfer again, because of the urgency of the situation, doesn't negate the fact. It, oh, it was urgent. That's why I sped, officer, because it was urgent for me to get home and let my dog out. Well, doesn't matter. It's still a law was broken. It doesn't give them permission. A law was still broken. They still need to be investigated for it. Why would they risk such a huge high-profile situation to detract from the other high-profile situation? Oh, gosh, that's so easy. Because in the court of public opinion, you're never going to be condemned for going the extra mile for bringing one of our guys home. At the end of the day, regardless of the— you for the VA, though, right? Yes. Yeah, of course. And regardless of what what legal status is— you brought somebody home from a prison. You brought a prisoner of war home in history's book and in public opinion. You're not going to get dinged for that, regardless of the of the legal ramifications. And you're not going to you're not going to. I mean, what is what is the end goal of the right here? Oh, Obama, you shouldn't have brought this guy home. You can only play that up so far. By yeah. law, any transfer of Guantanamo Bay detainees has to be in the best national security interest of the country. And Congress is supposed to get 30 days notice. But when the president signed the bill that restricted prisoner transfers, he maintained the right to act quickly if needed. He consulted with his national security 
counsel on this. Uh, we were unanimous that this was the responsible right thing to, uh, uh, to do. So what they just said is that when they signed this, uh, you know, we're not going to we're not going to uh, shut down Guantanamo. Obama had a little signing thing on there where he says, OK, but an emergency, I can move people out. All right. Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel, who approved of the plan, was in Afghanistan Sunday, where he met with and thanked the special operations forces who conducted the exchange. Hagel said they had to move fast. Sergeant Bergdahl's safety and health uh, were both in jeopardy and in particular his health deteriorating. And I don't doubt that at all. But I also would probably believe that was the same exact case for the last five effing years. But Republican Mike Rogers, chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Mike, Committee, your buddy, says Congress should have been notified and that the trade sets a dangerous precedent. You've sent a message to every al-Qaeda group in the world that says, by the way, who are some who are holding U.S. hostages today, that there is some value now in that hostage in a way that they didn't have before. Rogers and Armed Services Committee Chairman Buck McKeon both said this weekend they believe the president violated the notification law. CBS News has learned multiple committees in the Republican-led House are now considering hearings or investigations. Here it becomes election year politicians. Hey, you know, Chris, I, uh, a very wise man told me once it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. That's true. And I want to, I, you know, uh, I want to come back to that here in a second. Uh, however, I want to play a little bit for a clip here that I believe supports my theory that this was irrationally rushed. And it was, I think, so they've been, here's the thing, they've been getting videos of this guy from the Taliban for a while that haven't been released to the public. The Obama administration has been receiving videos from the Taliban. So they thought this was a great story. They didn't do a, a background check? Or? No, they've known him. No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No. When no. they decided to make this, they knew of the allegations that he was a deserter. Oh, okay. All right. They absolutely knew. The Obama administration knew at the time. But the thing is, they've been getting these video clips, so they've known what his status is for a while. Right. Um, but I suspect... Because get this. Okay, so here's one of the arguments is they couldn't notify Congress because they were worried about operational security, right? They couldn't they couldn't they couldn't violate operational security because at the end of the day, if they're gonna pull this off and do this exchange, there could be no leaks. So that's why that's why the Obama administration couldn't tell Congress. The problem is your buddy, Mike Morell, points out the flaw in this logic because to date Obama's most top secret and politically important military operation ever was pre-warned to Congress. What about, Mike, the White House not informing Congress beforehand, saying it had operational security concerns? What about that? Now, this is Mike Morell, former CIA deputy director in the CIA for over 25 years, good friend of Chase Nunes. <laughs> Obviously, operational security is paramount. Uh, but, Maurice, there are ways to inform Congress uh, in a secure way. Uh, a great example of that is before the bin Laden raid, um, we informed uh, the leadership of both intelligence uh, committees about what was going to happen. So there are ways to do it in a secure way that protects operational uh, security. So you're telling me that we were able to pre-warn over the bin Laden strike, one of, obviously, the most important political moves of, the Obama, of Obama's entire presidency. In that circumstance, operational security wasn't threatened by warning Congress, but yeah. rescuing this prisoner of war through our third-party uh, Cutter uh, representatives, that was so delicate we couldn't pre-warn Congress. Well, that, 
you know, not to feed. I don't want to turn this into a conspiracy episode, but that's that's only assumes uh, Chris that uh, Obama, or I'm sorry, Osama. I, see, I did it. Osama bin Laden was actually. Oh, jeez, Chase, not not now. I know. No, that's a whole other episode. I'm just. I'm. By the way, you guys, but you're I'm just right. messing. I, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh, uh, now, now that's okay. All right. Yeah, there's the other element to this. Is it, think about this rationally. We're holding these guys in here under no legal authority. They have not gone That's through a true. legal process. That's we, why they're in Cuba, by the way. We can't bring them to New York and try them. So we eventually had to get rid of these guys anyways. Don't believe me? Ask this former Bush administration guy. You worked for President Bush, George W. Bush, for what, eight years, right? That's right. I well, was how, what, president at the creation of what, Guantanamo. What would he have done if, uh, if they would have told him, Mr. President, the Secretary of Defense, we can get this American POW out of Afghanistan or Pakistan, wherever he was being held, but we got to release these five Taliban detainees from Gitmo. What do you think President Bush would have done? Well, it's hard to say, but, you know, I, I don't think eight years ago, you know, we would have made this deal. Uh, but here we are now with the end of combat operations, uh, potentially the end of the conflict in Afghanistan coming up pretty soon. The Bush administration did return more than 100 uh, Afghan detainees, Taliban during our time. Admittedly, you know, those were low-level foot soldiers. These are much more senior people, and I don't mean to, uh, uh, to limit that. But we're getting to the end of the conflict here. The, unlike the al-Qaeda detainees in Guantanamo, who I think are not going anywhere soon, you know, these Taliban leaders, I think, were likely to have to be returned sometime soon. That's the reality of it. You know, uh, I always keep an eye on the chat room during our shows. And uh, one thing I, I don't understand is they, they call Bergdahl a POW. Prisoner of war, yeah. Was war ever officially declared? Well, we do say the war in Afghanistan. That is what a common, you know. Well, we also say the war on terror. But yeah, has was there, there been... actually a declaration of war? I don't no, think so. I don't believe no. there was. No. But they're using an official declaration we, we... of uh, that he's a POW. Well, some people think he's. Some people don't think he's a POW. Some people right. think he was a deserter that got captured. Now, the other thing that I find interesting about this whole thing is you heard it in our clips earlier. This is a new precedent. Negotiating with terrorists is not something the United States of America does. We do not negotiate with terrorists, right? We don't do that. No, we don't. Never do we do that ever. Uh, Chris. I'm sorry, that's not exactly accurate. Oh, really? Yeah, for example, after the North Koreans captured the USS Pueblo in 1968, oh, I remember that, uh, yeah. President then Lyndon Johnson apologized sure. for spying as part of the negotiations to secure the re release of not five prisoners, no, 83 American prisoners. Oh. Yeah, uh, also, Chris, uh, during the Iran hostage crisis, you probably remember this one, yeah, the sure. big one, 7981, uh, yeah. President Jimmy Carter agreed right. to unfreeze eight billion dollars in frozen Iranian assets after more than a year of negotiations? Uh, with Iranian terrorists? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, by the way, that's let's... That's probably it, though, right? You, no, no, no. Let's actually do something a little bit more current. How okay. about our good friend of the show, yeah. President Bill Clinton? Oh, yeah. His administration sat down with Hamas in attempts to negotiate peace with Israel. His administration also worked directly with the Taliban for nearly two decades on several occasions to see if the group would hand over Osama bin Laden and other al-Qaeda leader. And of course, I can't forget the number one most famous negotiation number with terrorists one. that led to Iran-Contra when Ronald Reagan traded arms, traded arms, gave them guns to get released. Hey, Chris. Gave them guns. Give these people guns. And guess what? Those very guns were then used to take more American hostages. Yep. So bullshit that we don't negotiate with terrorists. Do it's it despicable. all the time. Exactly. 
Um, in fact, it's the number one way, according to Mike Rogers, the Taliban makes money is by uh, negotiate, negotiating with terrorists. Uh, we have links to that stuff in the show notes if you guys want to read up on that. On your own, you can. Um, and I don't want to be... I mean, I know we're coming at this from a lot of conspiracy angles here, but I know. Abby points out something that we're totally missing because we're all just too busy talking about Bo. What am I missing? And while MSM anchors lash onto the sensationalist drivel about this soldier being an anti-American traitor... You won't hear them analyzing his words and the horrors he saw that made him desert in the first place. But that's not all the corporate media is ignoring. See, today, the Supreme Court rejected a very important case by New York Times reporter James Risen. The highest court in the land refused to hear Risen's appeal, paving the way for the Justice Department to prosecute the journalist for refusing to testify against an alleged source in his book. See, reporters have always had the right to protect their sources. In fact, that's the foundation of investigative journalism. This decision sends a clear message to journalists everywhere that Obama's war on whistleblowers and the press at large is on full blast. You know, you would hope that this unprecedented crackdown on press freedom would deeply concern even mainstream anchors, but I guess stenographers don't have much to worry about. Oh, so uh, this guy who was trying to protect his source in the CIA, uh, he's been shut down. This is a huge this the Obama administration's attack on journalism continues to a massive degree. And uh, that entire thing has gone under the radar. And I continue, just like Abby mentioned, to be amazed that those MFers over at CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and NBC News and ABC find no reason to talk about the fact that there is literally an attack on journalism right now. There is. Huge one right now. They're trying to shut down any kind of independent thought, any kind of freedom of information. And I'm not talking about the act here. I'm just talking about general freedom of information. They want it to be controlled from them, from their press secretary, from their ideals. And that's why this is one of the reasons why we do this show. All right, Chase. There's a lot going on in the Ukraine this week. I think we're going to have to pass over it, though, because we're running a little long. But, um, you, but you know what, Chris, though? Hmm? Sometimes, you know, after a long day of unfilter, it's sometimes good to end on a high note. That's right, Chase. So I got a little I got a little bit of downer news. We'll start with this, yeah. and then we'll go into the good news. Okay. All right, sounds good. A horrific scene on Highway 2. A crash sends nine people to the hospital, and many of the injured are children. I just pray they all come through. A total of five vehicles were involved in the pileup tonight. Highway 2 is still shut down in both directions, but is expected to reopen soon. The collision happened at mile marker 17. That's between Monroe and Sultan. Now, they don't actually say in the report, but in the headline there, they don't ever actually say it, but the headline very clearly states it. Driver smoked pot before the pileup. Like 12 hours before the pileup. Yeah, pile so the driver, basically what happened was, uh, as part of the investigation, the Washington State Patrol searched the vehicle, and they found a pipe, a broken <laughs> pipe, in the floor of the car. And the driver admitted to officers that she smoked a bowl that morning. This accident occurred about 6.30 in the evening-ish. Uh, now, the other thing, by the way, there are five children in this vehicle, okay, including herself. Now, this, I believe, was a blazer um, that only has five sets of seatbelts. So you do the math there. Hold on a second. Yeah. What now? This vehicle, she was with five kids. Five kids. Yeah. Okay. And her. Yeah. What's five plus one, Chris? Well, that would be six. Right. And how many sets of seatbelts? Five. So one person wasn't wearing a seatbelt, obviously. So are or if you, not are you implying that she just makes bad personal choices? Just? I'm just saying that pot, first off, whether it be pot 
whether it be uh, drinking, whether it be illegal drugs currently, cocaine, meth, whatever, you know, it all comes down to personal and driver responsibility here. And you notice how this headline is framed. This headline is framed to say, hey, well, the, the driver smoked pot. Well, that's why this accident occurred. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact. But I mean, if she had had a beer twelve hours ago, it would have nothing to do with this crash. Right. I mean, the two. It's just, it, I don't get why. Why draw special attention? You know, it's like saying, "Yeah, Chase got an accident today, and he had a beer yesterday." It, they don't do that when it comes to alcohol, and it, and I don't quite understand if that's because those guys buy advertising and they buy politicians, and nobody's doing that from the cannabis side, or if it's because it's new and attention grabbing. It might just be because putting pot in the headline gets clicks. I mean, I don't really know what it is, right. and it's not like she bought that pot from a legal store and bought that pipe from a legal store because there aren't any in the state of Washington. No, not yet. No, no. So I don't quite get how it works. I don't I don't get it. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I believe bail, by the way, was set at uh, – it's not in this article. I'm just going off of memory. Uh, but I believe bail was set at $100,000. This is kind of a funny story. Uh, Maureen Dowd, she's a uh, reporter for the New York Times. She decided to fly over to uh, Colorado. And, you know, this is – a great example of New York Times journalism. So she she lands in Colorado, Chase. She goes to a weed store, and you know what she does? She buys herself. She's never tried cannabis in her life. She buys herself a full-on pot candy bar, eats the pot candy bar, and then trips balls in her hotel room and then writes about it. She said, for an hour, I felt nothing. But then I felt a scary shuttle go through my body and my brain. I barely made it to the desk and then to the bed where I laid curled up in a hallucinatory state for the next eight hours. I had been convinced that I had died, and no one had told me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, hey, lady, don't eat a whole pot bar. Jeez Louise. Um, all right, and then last but not least, actually, no, this is second to last, Colorado, get ready for this, $19 million in the month of March. 1.9 is going to the schools, and crime is down 10%. Yes, $19 million. And by the way, that's not even including the revenue from medical, which is already beyond that. That's wow. incre- That's incredible. Yeah. Why can't our state we will. and other states? They will. I mean, these kind of success numbers, they will. And states like ours on the West, I bet we'll do better than Colorado does. That's right. just, I'm just here, saying. Here, here's, here's I what, think we can smoke, outsmoke right. Colorado. So, so here's what I want here. Here's what I want. I, anybody who listens to the show who's from Colorado— Right now, we're finding a lot of stories here in the state of Washington. Obviously, we keep we, we, have, we have we have our ears really open because we're here local. There must be the same thing. This got to be happening yeah. there in your state. So, if you are in Colorado and these similar stories are happening, where yeah. they're talking about hash oil and hey, they're talking about major if, accidents. If you're in Colorado and your local news uh, posts like stories on their website, like video embeds and stuff, send please. us a link. Yep. We can grab the audio yeah. from unfiltered.jupiterbroadcasting.com. Yep, please. or uh, submit it to unfiltered.reddit.com. Oh, That's- look at that transit! Look at you. I would probably be more likely to see it there. One last clip, and then we'll get out of here. I know we're getting really long, but... Uh, hey, it's uh, the Centennial Edition. I know, that's what it's I okay. figured. Sorry. House Republicans are signaling support, actually, to help uh, states implement medical marijuana. What? Early this morning, House Republicans signaled support for state medical marijuana laws. Lawmakers voted in favor of blocking the federal government from interfering with the states that allow medicinal pot. Almost half the states have legalized pot for medical use. Yeah, I think that's a pretty big move, actually. Uh, it's it's interesting oh. that they're kind of getting out of the way. It's not anything other than really that. 
Uh, but it's passing right now by uh, a pretty high margin. And the ratio of Americans in favor of medical marijuana right now sits at 73%, according to a brand new Pew Research. All right, Chris, I hate to be uh, kind of a you know negative guy. Gabby here Downer, you can say it. Uh, is, you sure this is not a political thing? This is where, you know, obviously they, 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 they hear that a lot of people hmm. like this and they go, hey, you know, election year coming up. Yeah, maybe. I could say, hey, you know, we push miracle marijuana through because this is a good thing. I could see that. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I will say some of the biggest stoners I know are pretty hard on the right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I, you know, doesn't mean just because you're just because you're uh, conservative doesn't mean you don't smoke. Uh, you know, Eric brings up a great point in the chat. What's that? The current establishment probably did smoke a lot of pot in the 60s. <laughs> Good point, Eric. Hey, Eric. Good point. Good point. All right, Chase. Is there anything else we want to cover before we get out of here today? Man, we got so much. You know, there's even more. You know, if you didn't have time to get through the show today, you know, become a patron. You get all that great stuff. But we're going to release a lot. But you can always head over to the Unfiltered subreddit page at unfiltered.reddit.com. This is where you can vote up stories, vote down stories. And a lot of you have been jumping on board. And, and talking about the issues that are going on. Yeah, it's a great way to sort of give us an idea of what you guys want to see featured in the show, engage in the conversation. Comments are always valuable, too, because I'd like to hear your insights on it. And yep. also, just voting will help us take the temperature of what you guys want to see. And yeah. if you see something interesting, submit it to unfiltered.reddit.com, and it just might make it into a future episode of the Unfiltered Show. Yeah, by the way, Rusty Reddit, thanks for the Unfiltered Bitcoin donation, by the way. I saw the post yeah, in there. That was that awesome? awesome. Rocking the Bitcoin. It's coming back. We talked about it this week on Tech Talk Today, episode number I was just going to say, where can people follow you maybe oh, to find out about that Tech sure. Talk Today? Sure. You could go to twitter.com slash chrisellias, where I have tweeted about the brand new show called Tech Talk Today. That is impressive. Thank Look you, sir. That. Are you on Twitter, Chase? Yeah, I do that. I, you know, As a bonus to the people who follow, oh, okay. I give them three additional characters, nice. because my name is at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Very good, sir. Very good. Good. Now, you yeah. wouldn't be doing anything else that I could find on the internet, maybe through like a website or a web browser. Boom, Geek Gamer TV. Jeez. Yeah, GeekGamer.tv is the place to go. We just talked about our predictions for WWDC on the last episode. It was a great one. Uh, we made some predictions. We were hey, off. That Well, really? That's funny. <laughs> uh, y'all tell me in the post show. That Dropbox yeah. episode with the Minecraft savings is a great idea. Yeah, it was yeah. very good. A lot of fun. And too. we do that every week, every Thursday and Sunday. There you go. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, we'd love to have you join us live over at jblive.tv. We do this show on a Wednesday. You can find out more at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And by more, I mean in your time zone. Want to remind all you guys about our Patreon, patreon.com slash unfiltered. That's how you can support the show about the new news you need to know. And our new episode shirt. 100 shirt. Limited time, Chase. Teespring.com slash unfilter 100. Chris, right. well, guess That's what? It, that was 100. That's it. The We're century done. right there. That's done. Now we can drop the mic. Yep, and then we can see you right back here next, next week. week. Yeah! Yeah! 100 yeah! minutes!